0: Say hello to the Thinking Man Silla Black, it's Paddy McGuinness! Howdy y'all, and welcome to a very, very weird edition of Take Me Out of My Own Body. Just what in the Wild West is going on? All in good time, my wandering friend. I bet you're wondering where you are. Wondering why I'm strapped to this chair? Leather straps are mandatory for any occult dating show.
1: I'm getting monster prom flashbacks.
0: Well just wait until you meet our dates. Oh sweet Jesus. Careful now, wouldn't want to offend the sacrilegious. After all, you're in with a chance to possess their soul.
1: You mean I'm going to literally possess their soul, don't you?
0: How did you guess? They'll be more than just a soul mate. Also,
1: what's with your voice? Is this a wild west or the north west?
0: Like don't question what you don't understand. Now, bring on the girls. First up, a retired bounty hunter who's searching for a husband.
1: They fuck me, please! You can go fuck yourself! Uh, are
0: you sure she just wants any husband? She seems pretty angry. That's right. Next up, a man who is a pig and who is also physically a pig. A man pig in a pig man's body.
1: Oh. I don't need to wait. Hey, when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything.
0: Whatever you want. Grab him by the pussy. I
1: suppose, looks and personality aren't everything.
0: Perhaps you'll feel a spiritual connection with our very own noble Native American hunter.
1: I think I'm just about ready to take the first connection out of here.
0: Oi, I'm the one leading the audience. Sorry. Surely you can't leave until you've met our friendly neighborhood werewolf or our final date, shrouded in a cult mystery.
1: You keep saying a cult, but isn't that meant to be good for you?
0: That's Yakult, and you know that's not your joke. Oh yeah. Sorry, I can resist its charms. You know what? I think I'll make you inhabit all these lovely beings.
1: Wait, I
0: consent to that. On oh, whose authority? I am the authority.
1: Uh, is that a spiked wooden branding stake? Or are you just happy
0: to see me? It's a spiked wooden branding steak.
1: <laughs>
0: but I'm also happy to see you.
1: Ugh.
0: Just regular happy, not a happy. Because I'm not Paddy McGuinness. Thumbtail.
1: But I'm not good bacteria. I'm Ben.
0: And this is... Pixel Vision. Well, what game are we playing, Ben? We're playing Weird West.
1: Weird West. Have you got any housekeeping to do first? Uh. No, no. You don't have to have any housekeeping. I don't have any housekeeping. Well, just, no, but the way
0: that you've, the way that you've said that makes me think there must be some housekeeping. I have no housekeeping written down, no, and I can't think of any. That's fine. I no,
1: will put the Hoover away.
0: Do you have any housekeeping? No, no. It was more
1: just I thought maybe you'd want to like put in some sort of disclaimer about the assistance that you sought while playing this game and how that may or may not bias you towards, you know, your views of it, but that despite that assistance, you know, you're know, you still an independent-minded spirit. I thought what? maybe something like that might slip
0: into it. I love how concerned you are with independent journalism. You don't mind if you offend everyone as long as it's independent. <laughs> well, yeah, that is journalism. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to get to that during the episode. but yeah, it's true. I have personally spoken to some of the devs on the game because... All right, big shot. Well, I mean, I just went on the, the Weird West Discord channel and posted a bug, which I found. A game-breaking bug meant I couldn't progress in the campaign. And the service I received from that point onwards was incredible. Honestly, it, I mean, it did really impress me because we'll get on to the exact point. But um, a bit in the game was broken, so they asked me to send them their game file. I sent it to them, and then within a few days, my save game file was fixed. And then, obviously, they will look into the bug so that it doesn't happen for other people. But, yeah, I just thought on, like, an individual basis, that was pretty impeccable service.
1: Yeah, that is pretty cool. Very cool. Hmm. But... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm guessing you didn't enjoy the game.
1: <laughs> well, no, I was just going to say... Having experienced that game breaking bug and their service and putting that aside, Uh what was your thought on the game? What Um, was your kind of reaction to it? What was your take? What's your hot take, Teo?
0: Sizzle my fingers with it. It was mixed. I kind of thought it's the game I would have enjoyed when I was a lot younger. And it's a weird one. I don't often actually say that about games, but kind of reminded me... Even though the way you play the game is very different it kind of reminded me of games like arcanum and boulder's gate those kind of old school isometric rpgs where it's very easy to get lost in the world and also kind of break the world a little bit i mean this game is built to be broken part of the reason i think that they potentially handle so many different bugs is because they've allowed the player so much freedom to do what they want so the most obvious instance of this is that you can kill any character in the game however key they are to the plot or blah 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 you can kill them yeah so with that level of freedom comes great responsibility i don't know comes a kind of great responsibility i'm not going to say sandboxiness but i think it takes a certain creativity anyway to like enjoy this game to the full and i'm not really sure if i brought that to it or not or didn't feel like i had the time to Don't know if that really made sense. What do you think?
1: Mm, So you think it puts the onus on the player to have a good time rather than bringing a good time to the player?
0: Yeah. If you think about Baldur's Gate or Arkham games like that, I remember some playthroughs I'd play as a thief and I'd kind of ignore the main story and I'd just be sneaking into people's houses and seeing what I could find and and steal and that kind of thing and see how I got along that way. And you could do that in this game. It had that same sort of, you can break into any house, steal anything. But I never really felt compelled to do that personally because it didn't really advance the plot. And as I was playing it, I could tell that I was playing it to advance the plot rather than explore the world.
1: Mm.
0: How about you? What do you think?
1: I think I'm going to agree with you strongly. Yeah. and maybe go further because i'd love to love this it's a game from Wolfeye studios who has co-founders who were involved with dishonored and prey two massive games that both of them i fucking loved thought were brilliant mm. so these are like experienced gaming creator veterans mm. it's a western rpg kind of western action rpg mm. with quirks obviously bringing horror and the supernatural to the genre so you think well that's that sounds cool mm. i want that as much as the next guy it's pitched as if it's going to have a sense of humor although i didn't really experience that in the game but then i just don't think it works i don't think it does anything that it sets out to do and i think you hit the nail on the head when you said the problem well you didn't say this but i'm going to paraphrase the problem <laughs> is a problem of incentive there just isn't one for you mm. as the gamer to play it Like, almost in any area, like you said you didn't want to break into houses, I would immediately push back and be like, why not? Well, because what am I breaking into them for? What am I going to steal? What's worth stealing in the house? What does Mm. it bring to me? Fuck all. Like, literally fuck all. And we'll get into that. But I'm already riled up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Dial
1: it back. Dial it back.
0: I was actually expecting you because I didn't think you'd love it but the fact that you almost came close to finishing it, I mean, I know you finishing your game is no indication of you liking it whatsoever, (laughs) but I thought given that it's quite a long game and you almost finished it, that it might've won you round as the game progressed.
1: No, although that is a good point. So neither of us finished the game.
0: Mm.
1: I put in at least, I want to say 23, 24 hours, something like that probably,
0: Mm.
1: and got to the fifth character. There are five playable characters. So I feel like I kind of put in a good stint Mm. particularly as we'll get onto i I wasn't loving it but i think you're right that i probably wouldn't have even done that if there wasn't something bringing me back and i think that something is simply that there are five characters (laughs) and when i had two that i hadn't yet seen i was like well that's i literally haven't seen nearly half the game Mm. and then once you've unlocked four characters it's like well i've got at least see who the fifth character is do you know what i mean it's like that sort of very basic compulsion to see what's next rather than because it was pulling off some sort of clever narrative trick Mm. and kept me intrigued through its twists and turns yeah
0: what all the gameplay loop was compelling yeah
1: oh exactly exactly yeah um go on let's let's get because people are thinking like oh this is great we've heard what you both think about it, but I literally don't know what you're on about. What is this game? What is this fantastical, sh- almost said shit game, but that's harsh. But <laughs> what is this game, Teo?
0: Yeah, so it's called Weird West. It is an isometric action RPG I say action RPG because there's no pause button you're shooting your guns in classic western style you start off in this weird ritual room and you wake up in the body of a bounty hunter which turns out to be one of five playable characters in the game each character progresses the story and yeah you set off isometric view into the world managing your inventory picking up new weapons gaining companions doing quests fulfilling bounties kind of like what we've already said really really interacting with the world in whatever way you choose it's not open world i guess that's implied in isometric but each zone is essentially a big square which you can walk around from a bird's eye view and yeah once you finish the story arc of each character you move on to the next one until you progress through the entire story
1: which neither of us did
0: (laughs) two points though one why are you five characters, Teo? I feel like you left that little tidbit out. Well, I guess because it's a it's a bit of a spoiler, isn't it? I actually went and... Well, I mean, it's cheating, isn't it? But I went and read the end of the game just because I was curious. What? Oh, well, that's definitely a fucking spoiler. you got to hold <laughs> that shit back till the end. Yeah, but I feel like I didn't really know why I was inhabiting... Like, it's clear that you're em- embodying those characters as yourself like it kind of almost feels like you're doing it as the player in quite a meta way as in you're controlling their body but then you go on to the next character and you can go back and meet the last character that you were and they kind of say to you oh you've got the mark on your neck as well like what happened i was possessed but now i'm back to my normal self so it's kind of like for the time you're playing them they're someone else and then when you stop being them they go back to being the person they were before
1: Yeah, it's all about that brand on the neck, isn't it? It gives you enough to be going on with. The idea that there's some sort of panel of like a coven of witches or a coven of mm. sort of altered beings, higher beings, who yeah. are trialling an experiment, the contents of which and the purpose of which is unclear. Yeah, But it involves you inhabiting people for brief periods to accomplish tasks.
0: And you kind of have an inkling it involves immortality as well because quite early on in the game there's a character called Essex Mast who comes and says ah, I've been researching that brand on on your neck I want to become immortal could you help me by answering my questions and letting me sort of get information from you throughout the game he was the most
1: interesting character I think actually yeah because the game throws characters at you you know all the time like you're trapped in the stocks and it's just wang and oranges mm. some of them land and are interesting like Essex mast and some of them you're just kind of like we if you're not going to tell me anything it'll be like anonymous woman or something (laughs) or like quiet child and they just stop you while you're traveling between areas and then you have a vague conversation that doesn't really reveal anything other than so a sense that nothing is quite as it seems Mm. and then they disappear again and leave you with a chest that you can extract something from. Mm. And that's kind of the full extent of it. Whereas Essex Mask, his purpose is very clear from the outset. He isn't anywhere near as vague as all those other nebulous characters. He'll come straight up and say, I want immortality. I look death in the face and I hated it. And all these people with a brand have immortality and I want that basically. Mm. and his whole purpose and you can choose whether to assist him in it or not did you choose whether to assist him Teo? is in seeking immortality
0: yeah yeah I did choose whether to assist him but as with many of the decisions during the game so it definitely goes for your decisions matter thing this game so there's usually in each character a big decision to make I'm guessing helping or not helping Essex Mast is one of those decisions Uh, but I never saw the narrative payoff for it really how about you? Or well, may- maybe you did see it if you chose not to help him.
1: No, no, I also chose to help him. Oh, but it okay. was a weird one, because as I was choosing to help him, the whole time I was thinking, I'm not really going to help him. I'm just going to help him on this leg of his quest. Do you know what I mean? Because basically, he's offering
0: you stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you, t- you were going to stab him in the back. You are already yeah, plotting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is
1: literally exactly what I planned to do. Well, because he offered enough intrigue that i wanted to see where his plot line was going and i was worried mm. if i just shut him down and said no, i'm not going to help you well it's a bit like turning down a side quest right like maybe mm. that'll have a payoff later in the game maybe that guy will show up as they do in this game as friends for life if you've rescued them at a certain point they kind of emerge during a critical moment in battle and help you out yeah so i thought well at least help him along his way but I never wanted him to reach immortality. because, so I was actually kind of selfishly, I was kind of like, that's my gig. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm the guy who's just moving free willed between, I don't want competition. You're a threat to me. So I was never going to help him that far. But certainly I wanted to see, he always offered me something, you know, he always offered me an upgrade or a perk or, Mm. and we we can get on the specifics of what those things are, but he was certainly an interesting character.
0: Yeah, what what did you think about the other decisions you could make in the game and the effect that they had on the world?
1: It was one of those games that I'm sure we've talked about previously, and especially this is salient with RPGs, which is that they have this reputation-based system Where they're like, oh yeah, you know, you perform a good action, you get a perk. Maybe you get a friend for life, for instance. Or maybe you get a bounty paid back to you. Or maybe someone gives you a reward or whatever. Like, there's lots Mm. of positives. Oh, a classic one is shop prices. You know, you go into a shop and they give you a discount because you've done Mm. good deeds. And then you can choose bad actions and you don't seem to get shit for them you just everyone mm. hates you villagers are angry prices go up and you're kind of thinking like well the game's clearly steering me in a direction here and that is the direction i took because i don't want to play against myself
0: you know mm. well i suppose like as we said at the start which certainly with the reputation thing the advantage of having a bad reputation in this game is that you can do whatever you want you don't have to worry about bartering at the general store because you just go in kill the clerk and take her goods so i think if you were really going down the kind of outlaw road you could make a case for it being worth it
1: but did she did the clerk have all the goods that she was purporting to sell then because i burgled some of the shops and i was disappointed with what was in the cabinets but then maybe actually i'm pretty sure i pickpocketed them and got the key to do that as well i didn't see all the goods on but person
0: oh okay the reason i thought that is because you can often actually like physically see the goods laid out as items on the on the shelves and the and the tables, mm. but I mean it's true. I I didn't do an inventory check. <laughs> Stealing versus shopping, but that is I think the advantage of being an outlaw in this game is that the rules don't apply to you. You can just carve your own path.
1: Hmm. Okay, I think I'm a bit unconvinced by that, to be honest. Mm. Because Especially because since we're talking about loot and burgling from shops and whatever else, and we've already referenced that, in my view, the game doesn't give you much incentive to aspire towards anything. Part of that is the loot is just really crap. It's really crap. It gives you a very tenuous, classic colour-coded, which we haven't had for a little while, so it's nice to be able to reference that again. You've got your green loot, your blue loot, your orange legendaries. But from my experience, almost exclusively, the legendaries were bought from shops. Mm. I say almost because I know of at least one amulet that I picked up that was a legendary that was not bought from a shop, but that amulet all it did was let you win a game in the within the game a sort of meta game as it were mm. it didn't have a benefit by and large as you were playing through your character and most of the rest of the loot like they, it introduces this these brands of weaponry like sharp or something mm. or i can't actually remember what some of the others are but like so and so and sons or so and so brothers or whatever and it gives you a little bit of a bio about each of them. Like, these weapons are easy to come by, but um, not very good. Or these ones have great durability. But none of those descriptions mean shit, yeah, yeah. literally nothing. And the availability of the ones that said, oh, you know, these are high power, but quite rare. No, they were just as prolific through the game as the ones that it said weren't. Mm. And it gives them star ratings. So you've got a one star weapon, two star, three star, four star, five star. And like, that's all you're really looking at. It's kind of like, okay, I've got a gun. I've got a long range rifle. I've got a bow and arrow. They're all three star. I don't need to look at any loot below three star from this point on. Yeah. Like that's as basic as it gets. And like I say, there are only five stars. So you're not not ever thinking, oh, I can just upgrade. I can just upgrade. And that undermines so much of the rest of the game because there's hunting, there's skinning, there's bounty hunting. There's like fucking vendetta. There's all sorts of things you can do. But why do them? Because you've already, you've already got the loot from the shop and it's yeah. five star. <laughs> do you know what I mean?
0: I do, yeah, I do. And, and more and more I find this issue with RPGs in general. Kind of like everyone wants to go for the addictive loot cycle that you get in a game like Diablo, where the loot table for Diablo is going to be like gigantic right like it's gonna be huge there are so many different types but even in a game like that you can see the patterns do you remember in world of warcraft where you'd get like sword of the feather or sword of the bear it's usually animals actually sword of the deer and like you know that like oh the bear one's gonna have strength and constitution behold the sword of a thousand truths Yeah. But, but that's...
1: But mate, we're talking about I'm already excited by that. <laughs> really? like
0: lying. I'm so fucking primed. So as soon as you introduce like stats and to be honest maybe like a slightly bigger budget for <laughs> for inserting these items into the game then, then maybe...
1: Slightly being an understatement there I think.
0: <laughs> then maybe you've got a recipe for something a bit compelling and addictive or at least it's like pressing some dopamine centres in our brains. But yeah, I mean I totally agree with you with this game. It feels like there's three brands as you say like literally brands of each weapon and then it's just the extra star rating on on each of them i mean there's a few little magical effects going around but very very minor and insignificant and you're right that's a shame and same thing with the junk like classic rpg you've got your junk which you just sell at the store It's not as bad as Dragon Age 2. Mate, I beg to differ. Really? I beg to differ, mate. The number of fucking forks, spoons,
1: (laughs) cups. It's not all kitchen utensils, but there's a lot of them. Spurs for horses. Every single one of them worth $1. No deviation in price whatsoever. Consistent buyers. Oh, (laughs) i (laughs) got a dollar in my pocket. Fun at the sash. I was filled up with empty vials, half empty vials, full vials, all one dollar. Have a have a look, one pound fish. Have a have a look, one pound fish. Very, very good, one pound fish. Very, very cheap, one pound fish. Six pound, five pound, one pound each. Six pound, five pound, one pound each.
0: Fish to the one pound, fish to the one pound. Come on ladies come on ladies to found it. So yeah, for sure so you don't pick that stuff up. like you just don't like if it's worth one dollar, you don't pick it up. but then it begs the question like what's the point of being there? Because of the isometric view, I guess they're trying to add flavor to the environment by including items which you'll never pick up. So if you think about morrowind or Oblivion or uh, an Elder Scrolls game, You'll see all of like the, the pots and pans laid out in a house, and it's cool. It adds flavour. Like, it's great. You can pick them all up. You never would unless you were doing something weird. But it's great to see them there and nice that you can chuck them about. In a game like this, though, it doesn't really add flavour. It's just, it's just a little bit annoying.
1: It's a distraction,
0: yeah. if anything. It's an active
1: distraction yeah. because it lulls you into the sense that perhaps the thing you're finding is important or is at least worth collecting to sell, especially at the beginning when you you know, you know start with zero money. So you find a fork and you think, oh, that's a dollar. Oh, I got a dollar in my pocket. <laughs> if I find 10 of these, I've got $10. I was a mathematician in another life. <laughs> so to begin with, you think, oh, that's useful, and you start collecting it. And then after a while, you're opening every single chest and interactive mm. cabinet and wardrobe and drawer and whatever else. On the off chance you find something interesting, Mm. And you never do.
0: You just find the same shit you found since hour one of the game. Well, that's not quite true because the most important items in the game are these uh, what they call nymph relics, which allow you to upgrade your abilities, and golden aces of spades, which allow you to upgrade your perks.
1: That is at least a cool name, I'll give it golden <laughs> aces of spades. And they look cool as well. They're like these little <laughs> glowing. Well, big glowing playing cards,
0: aren't they? Yeah, so you can see them if they're out on the ground as opposed to, like, in a chest or something. But yeah, that's the only way... So there's no experience in the game, so that's the only way to add to your abilities. And there's a few different types of abilities. There's ones which apply to different weapons in the game, which gives you different abilities to use with those. Ones that apply to just the character you're on, which you'll lose when you move on to the next character. And then perks, which, you know, affects things like movement or things that you can find and that kind of thing but hang on that's
1: what you've described there is a skill tree it it? is it's a skill tree divided into two manners of upgrading it right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. either through the nymph relics or through the playing cards. yeah for sure for sure okay so let's talk about the skills (laughs) did any of them excite you remotely were any of them skills that you wanted to work towards or that you thought i can't wait to get another playing card so i can get that i'll give you an example of one of them (laughs) When you use a lockpick, there's a 20% chance it won't break. Mm. You can upgrade that to 100% chance, I think. Or maybe not even 100, maybe 75% chance it won't break. Mm. There are lockpicks coming out of your ass by the end of this game. Who gives a fuck if they break? Mm. Yeah, I mean, jumping higher, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's actually the best one. That is the best one. And it's annoying you've mentioned that because that makes makes it sound like you're contradicting my point. But that is one of like a plethora of skills that genuinely is useful because it opens up loads of other avenues of progression within maps. Mm. For instance, you get to a locked door, which is like part of a fence and you can just jump the fence. Or you can see that someone's died on a rooftop above and normally you wouldn't be able to jump there and get their loot, which, you know you're desperate to get because we've already said how valuable it is yeah, my mm. and you can see that actually you can climb on a crate and jump onto the roof because you've got this high jump so that is i would even argue that's overpowered <laughs> but it's the only one
0: yeah i mean i think we'll quite quickly come across a pattern when we're talking about this game and that's it does a lot of different things but it doesn't do any of them particularly well and it does it does try and do a lot i think for the kind of game that it is so for instance Another perk you can do is move more quickly while you're crouching. Why do you want to crouch? Well, you could play stealthily. So you can go up behind people, bash them over the head, and don't you don't have to initiate a gunfight. So you can basically do a commandos on every area if you choose to do it. But if you do that, if you play it like a game of commandos, pretty tedious. Finally! some action consider it done boss i can't (laughs) wish i could do that (laughs) and you're kind of ignoring well you're ignoring the combat which is a bit fun to do something which is definitely not very fun. Are you crazy? Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just an odd one, isn't it? Yeah, you're just protracting
1: the time spent in each area. It took me a while to clock this when I first started, because I'm naturally a more of a step. I think I think yeah. cowardly is probably a good word to use here. <laughs> more of a cowardly player, which means I tend to prefer stealth and long distance, and mm. like this game was no different got the long-range rifle, upgraded the like sniping silently Mm. from a distance. And that's that's pretty much the strategy I start with throughout the whole game. But the only time I began to deviate from that was when I thought, actually, do you know what? It's not that taxing to just fucking kill everyone in a gunfight, and it's done in like three minutes, and I expend some bandages. And if I die, I just hit quick load, because the game lets you quick save, which in most games I like, but in this game I think just makes it even less... (laughs) sort of pressured Mm. and makes your decisions even less valuable and significant
0: yeah it's true but the sort of long-range rifle tactic that you're describing there it happens just like it would in commandos or i guess desperados 3 would be a more appropriate comparison (laughs) Because you can shoot someone from a really long distance, everyone around them is like, oh my god, whoa, whoa, what happened? And they'll like have little question marks above their head and they'll, they'll run around, if they don't find you, they'll just go back to their patrol routes. So you can do it like that, or you can make sure that they see you and at that point you're in a proper gunfight. But the combat, it's just difficult, isn't it? Because you're like a turret, aren't you? I'm sure there's a phrase for this in gaming, like a gaming term for when you, use the mouse to, like, rotate your character.
1: Mm, you don't have a cursor, but you are controlling the camera with the mouse.
0: Yeah, so you just, like, pivot around and you click to shoot. It's pretty simple, straightforward, but it can be a little bit tricky, I think, because you're you're shooting and then you have to reload and you're shooting.
1: Yeah, really tricky. It requires a degree of yeah. coordination and it's imprecise. Yeah. As we implemented our our aiming system,
0: it was quickly... Uh, Hell, we quickly realized that we were stuck uh, because there was no game that had pulled that off. There was no game where there were elevations and at the same time you could aim anywhere the same way you can in a twin stick shooter. The aiming feature we thought would probably plan like maybe four weeks on it. But unfortunately,
1: it probably took more like four to six months. The controls are not intuitive. Like the way Mm. they've hidden your skills in numbers and in yeah, actually mostly it's numbers combined with shift or alt keys or whatever
0: well yeah I said mouse but I actually played it with the controller but I'm guessing you didn't you played with mouse and keyboard didn't you? no yeah I played mouse and keyboard oh interesting that's kind of
1: good that we played it differently
0: actually so and I'm not surprised
1: but I'm interested that you found the same trickiness with the controls playing on controller
0: yeah well I kind of because it's the publisher's Devolver Digital but as you mentioned the actual studio I guess is different but Devolver Digital are known for these twin stick shooter games like Nuclear Thrones is the one that I played which is a really fun game top-down twin-stick shooter and it kind of felt like this wanted to be a twin-stick shooter with the controller but you didn't really have the same maneuverability as you do in a normal game like that like it felt quite a lot more sluggish and how annoying does
1: it make it to pick stuff up yeah did you find this like especially because some of the items are bunched together And you're trying to pick up the bandages, but it's next to the junk spoon, fork, and cup, and whatever else. (laughs) And instead of picking up the bandage, it seems to want to pick up everything around the bandage first. That sort of thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's tricky, it's tricky.
1: Yeah, and corpses, they all die in the same spot, and you're trying to get to the corpse at the bottom. (laughs) And it's like, ah, I can't just select the fucking corpse. I have to, like, use this weird camera maneuverability and wait for the corpse to be highlighted by the game
0: there are controller issues for sure because they've packed a lot of different ideas and mechanics just into the pot. It's like there was no filter on the ideas that could be included in the game and every feature that could be implemented has been or or will be and that's
1: <laughs> some of them absurdly as well, right? Like you get um there's a farrier in almost every town where you can buy, you know, a stable basically, yeah, where yeah. you can go and get yourself a horse. But once you've bought a horse, you're not allowed to buy another horse. The game says you've already got a horse. And you buy a horse within like the first hour of playing, which means every subsequent stable, pointless. It's literally, they exist as buildings in the town. There's a little horse icon on the map, but you can never buy yourself another horse if you own a horse, which you do. So... Get rid of them.
0: Can your horse die, though? I assume that my horse never died, but I presume that your horse could die.
1: My horse never died either. I mean, it took a fair ton of damage and ran Mm. away a lot, but didn't didn't ever die. Because the horse is, again, like, it exists in the game. You don't ever really ride the horse. Like, the game tells you you're riding the horse, sure. But once you get on it, you're just a little icon that moves between waypoints on a map. Mm. You never sit on the horse, mount it, and enjoy a little trot around. Mm. (laughs) the corral of your mini map so instead you spawn in a in a map location and the horse more or less stays at the edge of the map where you arrived Mm. which means that when you enter conflict it's not really there it's not there to take any damage so yeah my horse survived every encounter i never had to buy another one and i tried i went to loads of areas thinking maybe i can upgrade maybe i can move faster maybe i can just buy a different color horse nothing
0: Mm. it's a similar but not quite so extreme story with the other utility buildings in the town so you've got the blacksmith the blacksmith himself (laughs) doesn't do anything (laughs) but you can use his forge either melt down silver bars copper bars into nuggets which you can use to upgrade weapons or make those nuggets into bars to sell for gold but never i mean i did upgrade some weapons obviously but it's a really rudimentary system isn't it which is Mm -hmm just basically quite uninspiring yeah and again once you've used it
1: once like let's say you you find yourself a blue gun which there are tons of them, that's three stars mm. you need 10 gold pieces to upgrade that to purple mm. that's the maximum upgrade you can do at a forge so you do that once and then you never need a new pistol because that's as high a pistol as you're ever going to get mm. so yeah and the same like they introduce uh, <laughs> right at the very beginning that one of the first quests you need to send this like telegram basically but for some reason they call it a graph. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Relay graph, something like
0: that. I think so. I mean, I, I guess it's just showing you that it's not the, not the real world. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird, real world. Yeah. Kind of like a weird West. Yeah. If you if you will.
1: <laughs> so you go to the post office or the relay graph depot or whatever they call it in the in the game. You know, there's a guy and he says, "Oh yeah, you can send telegrams for sure. I'm going to charge you a little bit to do it. That's fine." Mm-hmm. You send your telegram. That's it. There's one of those in loads of the towns. You can see a little relay graph office. Never need to interact with it again. Yeah. Done and dusted. Which is interesting because one of of the perks or the abilities, they're easily confused, that you can get is a discount for goods and services (laughs) at shops. And I was thinking, what are these services? Once you've like, you can buy stuff, but what are the services? Once you've done that relay graph, there are no other services. That is so true.
0: I guess you can go to the doctor and get him to, like, heal you, can't you? Which, again, clearly not necessary because you can go to any bed and sleep <laughs> and you can get your health back up for free. Yeah, without punishment, yeah. I guess what we're really saying is this game has a lot of options, but none of those options amount to anything consequential or that feels weighty or significant.
1: And that's okay. At least that's I- feels like some of those things are just things you expect in a Wild West game. Like, mm. you can hunt animals, you can skin them, you can use their hides to get you armour. I didn't do that once in the entire game. I had no requirement to whatsoever. I bought my little tanning gear, as they call it, but never needed to use it, because I always had better armour than I could possibly have made. Mm. And the same with the mining, which gets you the gold nuggets that you can then do at the forge, mm-hmm. which we explain why that's pointless. Bounty hunting gets you cash but you don't really need cash because there's nothing worth buying. No. <laughs> the side quests, same deal. It, they can only reward you with cash, a perk or an ability, and none of them mm. feel like they're worth being rewarded with that. It's just really frustrating because you are sinking a lot of time in the game and it's got that sort of slightly strange magnetism of even having identified all of these things as not worth doing, you still find yourself doing them. You're running mm. through a house, you're being like, there's absolutely nothing in these cupboards that's worth finding and you open every fucking cupboard without <laughs> <That'll>
0: fail. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. And I and I don't appreciate it when games do that. But there are other games which I genuinely love or at least remember loving, such as the Fallout series or Fallout 3 specifically, where I did that in every room. I rummaged through every possible container in those games and there is definitely a deeper crafting system and more special finds but not massively not massively in those games like quite a lot you're just salvaging a few bullets the same as you are in this game Mm. and not finding anything of particular significance but i would still rummage through every single container and as i was doing it i always thought like why am i doing this like why am i looking in the bin again just because i can open it but i love that game even though it does does the same thing
1: No other will do. Yeah. Well, while we're on combat, the challenge, I think, of the fights only boils down to complexity with using the controls smoothly and rapidly. Mm. And most of the time, you can plot what you're going to do in advance and just execute pretty quickly. And also, once you've got guys in your posse and you've upgraded their ability to output some damage. <laughs> what, what are you laughing about? I, I
0: don't know. Just the word posse. I'd kind of forgotten. And posse! It amused, it amused me when he said it. Yeah.
1: Once you've uh, once you've got your gang, they do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Mm. Especially if you're using previous characters that have been branded as people in your posse. Then they can use a lot of the abilities you already upgraded. Yeah. Which brings me to another point. Which is that you can recruit people to your posse Mm. from (laughs) the posse is going to crack me up every time we say it now from the saloon right there's these little guys hanging around you can pay them some dollar and they'll join your crew Mm. and the game warns you like don't worry about them dying because you know there's loads of them you can recruit wherever you want you never need to because there's five branded characters and you can only ever have three people in your posse so you've already got two more characters than you can possibly need in your posse
0: and if you're anything like me I didn't ever want to lose those branded characters. I wanted to keep them alive. I'd always quick load if, if one yeah. of them happened to die, which, to be fair, didn't happen that often. But, yeah, you're immediately limited. So, again, it's another thing that reminded me of a game like Baldur's Gate, because... Oh, I'm not happy
1: with this comparison to Baldur's Gate, by the way. I feel like that totally is unwarranted. Really? Baldur's Gate is incredible
0: on most levels, mm. and this game just isn't. I wonder if you replayed it now whether you'd have the same opinion. Yes, yeah, so I'm fucking 30 years old nearly, mate. It's 20. It's at least 20 years old. But that's kind of what I was trying to say at the start, is that this game feels like a game that was made in the past and that I would have enjoyed in the past.
1: What a compliment. <laughs> what a compliment.
0: This feels like
1: it would have been a game, a good game, 20 years ago.
0: So, I, I mean, I have replayed Baldur's Gate relatively recently. Like, I'm talking, I replayed it maybe six years ago or something like that. And I did really enjoy it, but I recognised all of the same flaws which we're listing out about this game now. Honestly, including the sort of lack of um, variety in loot, all these characters, but you're only allowed four, five, five in your party at once, five is. Mm -hmm. It's kind of annoying while you're playing. It's like, I don't want any of these characters to die because they can die in Baldur's Gate like they can die in this. Basically, what you could bring to this game is quite a lot of role playing. And that's what I also said at the start, is that I didn't really feel like I brought that. I just brought wanting to progress the plot.
1: I don't agree with that, because, like, there's diversity in Baldur's Gate. And I don't Mm. just mean diversity in terms of factions, races, etc. Or even in, what do they call it? What's it called when you're, like, chaotic neutral? You're, like, alignment. alignment. Yeah, exactly. I don't mean diversity just in those ways, although immediately they are ways that there's more diversity than yeah, in yeah. this game. But also in in the dialogue trees, this game doesn't have what I would consider to be dialogue trees. It has dialogue options. Sure, you can click, like, tell me the answer to this first, then the answer to this second, and you can do that in any order. But, like, choosing one of them doesn't prompt another one with another mm. selection of dialogue trees that spins off at another angle or another tangent. You don't learn anything different based on what order you you select the options that your character is going to say. It's mm. not really a tree at all. There are, there are no forking dialogues or optional dialogues or anything like that. All you're doing really is choosing the pace at which you learn the same information. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, that is almost true. I mean, you do have decisions to make which do affect the game. So what is the role-playing that you're talking about when you say you could bring role-playing to the game? Yeah, so that's what I mean by, like, the actions that you take in the game. So definitely not the dialogue options that you take, but the way that you play the game. Like we said, you could role-play it as an outlaw or you could try and be the best person in the game. I also agree. These options are, like, relatively limited. I mean, if you... because, (laughs) Because one thing that I always thought that was funny is that the classic loading screen tips really try and ham up or encourage what you could be doing in the game. And whenever I read one of those, I was like, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly the same.
1: Exactly the same. Killing key (laughs) characters being one of the things it bangs on about
0: every time you load the game, right? Mm, And I think it latches onto something nice here is that it does add a sense of jeopardy that you can do that. But if you never would then you just never would. So, <laughs> so like, why, why would you? Yeah, it's like they
1: created a programming nightmare for
0: themselves and solved a problem that didn't exist. <laughs> wow, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty damning, but, but quite close to the truth. But I still definitely think that a younger person, maybe, with more time and more imagination, would have enjoyed this sandbox world a lot more. Like, I could imagine being amazed when I was younger. For instance, when you play as the pig man, the second character, one of your decisions, right at the end of that arc, is whether to kill all the other pigmen or to release them from their, I guess, like brain fog, so they no longer think they're pigs. They're back with their human minds, but in pig bodies.
1: That's the weird part of the Weird West. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we're just saying them. that like it's the everyday sort of thing. Yes, yeah, so they're just with their human minds and their pig bodies.
0: Job done. <laughs> we haven't mentioned the weirdness enough, but I mean, it's just flavour.
1: But that is the weirdest thing. There's not that much. Out- like, werewolves aren't really weird, are they? Other than the fact they're in, in the Wild West setting. The same with witches. Like, it's not like, oh, God, that's weird. And like, they- it talks about like Lovecraftian horror. But I mean, the only thing that is slightly Lovecraftian, I guess, is the sort of former miners that are basically just lumbering monster things that mm. emerge from the mines.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. And there's also another type of creature that can disguise itself as a human. The sheriff in the first town is an example of this. Sound like I'm playing a game of Articulate. (laughs) I'm Not allowed to say what it is, but I want you to guess it. A siren? A siren, yeah. So during that arc, it's kind of like the sirens have commissioned this gang of, of outlaws to bring them humans so that they can eat them. But there's a kind of like power dynamic going on there where they're afraid of the sirens, but they're also just doing their dirty work for them. But the sheriff's a sirens, well. So, do you unmask the sheriff, or do you just let her be a siren in the first town so that she can do her good work, even though she's an evil creature?
1: Yeah. What did you do?
0: Oh, I let I let her be. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Damn, maybe we should have asked unmasked her. <laughs> yeah, we're both too good. I didn't find these decisions like super inspiring, but I can imagine a younger a younger me. I don't know, just it being quite cool that you could then go back to that town and find the sheriff there. And like, she's still doing her job. With the pig men that I was talking about before, that felt like the biggest one I encountered because if you take the one path, then in subsequent characters, the towns are just like filled with pig men going about their daily business. It's like they've been taken into normal society. And if you don't, I guess they're like- Dead. dead or <laughs> uncivilized or something like that. So it's kind of like a big change in the world based on your decision. Is it a big change in the world? Mm. It's
1: like a very, very minor aesthetic change. Do you see pigmen wandering around, or don't you? That's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Teo keeps stepping back from the mic just to have a quiet little chuckle by himself. You're on a podcast, mate. No one can hear your silent mirth. I think
0: I think you're right. I was not amazed by the effect of these decisions whatsoever. However, I can imagine. My younger self finding that kind of magical. Okay, Those big, like, sweeping changes had happened based on the decision that I made in the game.
1: Having heard you just raise that, I do think we perhaps, although we've referenced the story, we haven't, maybe we should just race through it a little bit.
0: Yeah, we should talk about the story because, yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. I
1: want to hear that fucking spoiler for a start. So, number one, <laughs> uh, you're, you start as a bounty hunter, right? Jane Bell, you just mentioned human trafficking operation. She gets caught up in it because her son gets killed and her husband gets captured to be trafficked, right? Mm. Apparently a very juicy human by a faction called the Stillwaters. So that's character one. That's like the whole plot, isn't it? Get your husband back. Mm. Full stop.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. And everyone who sees you like, is like, never thought I'd see you pick up your guns again, Jane. Wow. Never thought I'd see you pick up your guns again. Like, literally everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay so character two give us a rundown on pigman clarence
0: pigman clarence oh well done for remembering his name i can remember his name at all so yeah you wake up in a pig's body and it turns out you can speak and think whereas most pigmen can't you meet pigman joe you discover why you've been he can though can't oh pigman joe can yeah just just you and pigman joe he actually only speak in rhyme which i thought was quite funny
1: there's that humor that is promised
0: and to quote a more contemporary African-American writer, that was the realest shit he ever wrote. Well, if Karamazov did commit patricide, then I wouldn't be that surprised. That's precisely the rhetoric I can't abide. Well, I am being bastardized. Are you trying to satirize? If I did, then would you be satisfied? Stop <laughs> rhyming, you little shit! This family is fucked up. <laughs> yeah um and yeah essentially you're tracking down the witch that made you into a pig man and seeking revenge okay
1: cool simple third one is you play as a native indian of the lost fire nation which i think your character is called across waters this is
0: potentially across rivers i think oh
1: is it across rivers oh, my bad this is potentially an interesting point which is that I don't know how true this is, but they claim, Wolf Eye Studios claim, that their writing team consulted with an actual Native American tribe called the Anishinabe. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Apologies if not. But their intent was to strive for authenticity and accuracy so that they didn't kind of fall into poisonous tropes, etc. What did you think? Did they succeed? Did you notice as you were playing it? Oh, this feels very different to every other Native Indian character I've ever played. I'll put away my bow. Mm.
0: Mm. No, no, I, I, be, I didn't, I didn't notice it being either particularly sensitive or insensitive. I just thought it was quite a regular portrayal of of Native Americans. Same.
1: So I wonder whether that means just regular portrayals are not actually that insensitive, or whether if you just take scalping out, everything's cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you remember we watched that film once where his wife gets kidnapped and then they travel to this really horrific Native American camp where, like, some absolutely gnarly stuff is going on? It's weird. I feel like you're talking about Apocalypto or something like that,
1: but that's not Native. Mm,
0: nah. Uh, anyway, it was, it's like the most brutal depiction of Native Americans I've ever seen. Oh,
1: come on. Think of it. Think of it. This is going to be the best audio in the whole pod, mate. <laughs>
0: You know who did this? The only one group that hunts with these. Who? They don't have a name. What kind of tribe doesn't have a name? One that doesn't have a language. Cave dwellers. You know where they are? I have a general idea. You'll take us to them? I won't. Because you're an Indian? Because I don't want to get killed.
1: You're afraid of your own kind?
0: They're not my kind. They're a spoiled bloodline of inbred animals that rape and eat their own mothers. Well, what are they? Troglidites. What do they look like?
1: Man like you would not distinguish them from Indians, even though they're something else entirely.
0: Apparently, that was based on a real tribe, so I guess you can get away with anything. (laughs) You got a good PR team. (laughs) Based on the facts. You know, it was a relatively recent film. Basically, it was made recently enough that they should have known better. Right. It was fine, anyway.
1: Okay, so what's Across Waters doing? Because all I really remember is teaming up with some hunters to do something. But by this point, I don't think I was even really following the plot. I'd literally lost
0: the plot. <laughs> There's a spirit of greed which has ah, taken over yeah. uh, in the West, which is essentially this ghost in an old gold mine. Yeah. It's kind of like possessing people to do. Rudax.
1: Olvidado.
0: His name was the Forgotten. Yeah, Olvidado. <laughs> exactly. And this is quite interesting actually, because I mean we're gonna get into spoilers now anyway, because we're well into it. But the big decision at the end of that arc is that you either become the spirit of greed or you resist and kill the spirit of greed, but it's not a yes no decision, which I quite liked. Which ending did you get for Across Rivers?
1: I definitely would have got rid of the spirit of greed, yeah.
0: Mm. But you don't actually have a choice. And I thought this was quite cool. So whether you are possessed by him or not is based on your actions during that arc. So essentially, I think it's if you've like helped the sheriff's wife get her husband's badge back and help the landowners get their land deeds back from this evil guy. If you complete those quests, basically, if you're nice during the arc, then you won't get possessed by him. But if you don't do those things, then you will. So you're never actually given the choice. Okay,
1: okay. I'm digging that. I like that. <laughs> so it's that quite nice. nice. But
0: I, I only know that because I read that that's how it works.
1: <laughs> that is innovative, but that immediately begs the question, and this was kind of an issue I had anyway, about continuity, because then if if you are possessed by a spirit of breed, a breed? <laughs> the spirit of breeding is quite a different character, <gasps> no, the spirit of greed, and you go back... In a subsequent character, to find that player and add him to your posse, is he some sort of psychopath?
0: I don't know, but I'm presuming you can't go back and recruit across rivers if he becomes the spirit of greed. I guess he's just lost mm. lost to the West at that point. Oh, I wish we knew the answer to that question.
1: But okay, we don't. Something for one of the listeners to find out and let us know mm. on our website, pixelvision.net. <laughs> Okay, so do you want to give us werewolf Desierto Rios?
0: Yeah, but I, this is where I didn't finish. But I can I can give the summary anyway. So oh, did
1: you not? Uh, you didn't unlock fourth or fifth? Oh, uh, you unlocked fourth character. Yeah, but didn't finish. Okay.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, yes, I still won up to you. I still went up to you. You did got to the on Irish. <laughs> even though I played, I I literally played twenty hours of this game before Bennett even started playing. And somehow, <laughs> you still managed to overtake me. Yeah. Well, when I put my mind to tell something, entire... say Tenacious. <laughs> he is
1: tenacious. <laughs> He's got the spirit of greed. Okay, well, give us the summary of what you established in your playthrough as Desierto Rios.
0: You and the other werewolves have been hunted down by the honorists, who are kind of a witch cult. And you're tasked with raising an army in order to defeat them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty much it. Actually, summed it up. Good. <laughs> They're called the
0: absolutionists, aren't they? Ah, uh, yeah, the werewolves are.
1: Question: In your playthrough, did you? Because uh, we might be a little bit in spoiler territory here, but did you manage to find the twist in the plot with the werewolves, where you're building the army to crush the honorists? No no because it's all based on a prophecy isn't it so the werewolves are being led by this prophecy that says i can't remember what it says but basically it justifies the killing of all the witches turns out it is a witch that is cluing up the chief honcho werewolf on this quest Mm -hmm. not a prophecy um just a witch trying to manipulate all the werewolves so that she ends up with the power controlling a werewolf army and she has them doing what she wants and she's kind of top dog it's as simple as that really power hungry witch oh i see so what's the big decision the big decision is do you read her journal stupid enough she basically says to you if you read the journal i've seen this in my vision you die you die if you read the journal so just go build the war werewolf army defeat the witches jobs are good, and some character kind of classic deus ex machina turns up and is like oh actually i've heard that she reveals all in her journal and you'll realize that the whole thing's a lie if you read the journal Mm. and so it's like do you undermine this quest that you've been working on to build this werewolf army and fight against the witches or don't you Is basically the gist of it i read the diary killed the witch killed all the werewolves (laughs) Basically killed everyone. Very Shakespearean ending. And then that was the end of that section.
0: I just wanna be a page
1: a genie's diary. One single page a genie's diary. It
0: was yeah super exciting i wouldn't say Mm. and uh yeah you'll have to cover the fifth character because although i've read about it i've not experienced it myself
1: yeah so the honorist character is nell bitterleaf and she's basically trying to prevent the end of the world which i think sounds at least the most noble of all the visions Mm. like in the great scale of jeopardy that you've come on your characters five characters arcs saving the world has got to be up there hasn't it? -hmm. And that is literally it. So all the witches have these visions. Everything they do is based upon a vision they've seen that they're trying to prevent or trying to bring true or whatever else. And she's sent all across the map, the various waypoints, trying to uncover relics to have more visions, ultimately hoping to have enough visions that they can see a way to prevent the end of the world. Mm. I didn't complete that arc.
0: Well, shall I spoil it?
1: Fuck yes, Teo. That's what everyone's been waiting for.
0: Everyone's been waiting for me to read this, the, this, ending the ending of the game. Of this game exactly. Everyone's
1: to heard us review it, thought, this sounds like balls. I'm not gonna play it, but I sure do want to know how it ends. That's that's the way this goes. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody stops listening when they realise it's a good game so they can play the game, or they listen just to hear us slam it.
0: Yeah, it's true. So yeah, you are preventing the end of the world, but the way in which you're doing that is Actually a little bit roundabout. It turns out you're this character, I think it's named Aleph. So he's the one which is possessing all of these characters. And the reason he's an immortal person himself.
1: Ah, oh, that's actually a good twist. Especially because Essex masked the whole way through the one guy he's trying to kill is Aleph.
0: Yeah, and, and it's that's you. you. Basically, these immortals have decided that it's so bad being immortal for so so long that they just want to end the world can't remember exactly how they're going to do that but they have the power to do that but the one final chance they're going to give is if they manage to feel again through possessing the souls of others at that point they're going to say actually no the world is worth living in pretty um selfish scheme really like <laughs> there's no yeah, ethics involved. it's just it's just their win it's just totally it's their it's kind of like
1: a bunch of nihilists being like if i can be made to believe that something is worth believing in
0: then i'll save the world it's even worse than that because it's just like well i can't feel so the world might as well end but if i can feel then it is worth it so after you played through these five characters as aleph they come to you as a panel and they ask you a series of questions. And if you give emotional responses, (laughs) both positive or negative, then it shows that you can feel again and so the world is saved. But if you answer with complete neutrality, true neutral to every question, then, then the world ends.
1: And you don't know, presumably when you're playing it, that that's the upshot. So like, can you choose to answer neutrally, thinking, oh, you can, Yeah. okay. Oh, what? That's yeah, yeah. less cool. Exactly. So that's like now you exercise an agency, whether, whereas, like, if it was a cool little twist where you didn't know, you were just like, ah, oh, no, I didn't really care, didn't really care, didn't really care.
0: Oh, and then they're like, boom, motherfucker, you should have cared because now the world's going to end. No, no, I think that you don't know what the basis is for their assessment.
1: Oh, okay, cool. So it is that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's the cool one. It's the cool
1: one. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I think that's all right, actually. I like that. Yeah. Shit. Now I have to re-apprise, reapprise my whole assessment of the
0: game and quickly play to the end to experience it for myself. Uh, I don't think you do because I did read that and I thought like, oh yeah, that's a pretty neat ending. But you've got to bring the player there. Yeah. you got to take them along for the journey. You can't just have a twist or a great kind of wrapping up of these characters. So what happens with Essex anyway? I don't know. I didn't read that.
1: Oh, another little tidbit for the listener to find out on their own. I feel like we're letting the listeners down with these little tidbits.
0: Yeah, I also just feel like it's incredibly lazy to have (laughs) just read the ending to the game and then presented it. (laughs) But uh, it is what it is. It's a long game. It's a long game, listeners.
1: Well, look, the truth is we're giving you more incentives to play this to find out what happens to Air 6 than the fucking game gave us after 20 hours of playing it. (laughs) <laughs> so you know, consider yourselves lucky,
0: guys. Ah, uh, comedy. I feel like certainly your reaction to this game is the closest we've had since Greedfall all those years ago.
1: Hmm, maybe I don't know. Death Stranding, or whatever it was called, was a pretty pretty tight competitor to that. I fucking hated that game.
0: Yeah, but even Death Stranding, at least that was that was novel, right? you would never played a game like Death Stranding, whereas you probably have played a game like this. Yeah, that's a good point. But much better. That's
1: a good point. That's a good point. I've I've got to say, one thing I wanted to raise before, and I'm going to raise it now, is that I remember you giving quite a lot of grief, to say the least, to Walson when we played it, which is another action RPG, right? And I'm not going to beat around the bush. That game Mm. was... A thousand times better than this. Just the skill tree alone, the amount of time I spent gazing at that Walson Star Galaxy skill tree in order to determine where I'd put my one point that I'd just fought for hours to earn. Where was I going to put it? Mm. In this game, it gives you about eight places to put a point, and I couldn't give a crap about any of them.
0: Yeah, to give Walson its due, it doubled down on the genre that it was, an action RPG, and executed it quite well. The problem was it was just incredibly boring. Whereas this game tries to do lots of things, doesn't really manage to do any of them particularly well. But still, I appreciate its try Mm. (laughs) to do it. Poor old Walson. And also I can just see, I mean, mean, it's true, I can see how people could enjoy Walson, for sure. But I can see a lot more people enjoying this game. I'm just not one of them. And I think that's borne out in the reviews. The reviews of this game are really good. Like, everywhere's given it 8 out of 10. Yeah. These are kind of... It's really hard on Metacritic, and on on Steam as well, like... Actually, it's probably not on Steam, but... No, Steam's
1: not great. It's mostly positive, which, by my metric, is pretty bad, actually, on Steam. Lukewarm. You you kind of want a very positive or outstanding on Steam, don't you?
0: Well, that's what you want, but...
1: (laughs) No, overwhelmingly
0: positive it is, actually, yeah. But I think there are a lot of people that have enjoyed this game. Do you not think this is to do with, like...
1: I don't know, I don't wanna sort of reignite any past <laughs> debates. What? But I sometimes get a sense, and this isn't this isn't just with games, I get this from films as well, that there's this consensus that forms around a game among the critical gaming community or the critical cinematic community, where it's like, oh yeah, this is from our our darling in this case the darlings are like ex-prey ex-dishonored developers mm-hmm. they're bringing this really innovative take on the wild west rpg genre it's a game of a sort you've never seen before immediately critics everywhere like yeah yeah oh god i love it i love it yeah can i ask you a question brilliant yeah like i get the sense there's this sort of weird relationship <laughs> between
0: these (laughs) did you just uh, just role play an interview with a a sort of press conference (laughs) can I ask a question please Jurgen Klopp yeah I did yeah
1: the most fun I've had talking about this game so like I think there's that sort of relationship sometimes between critics and game designers and developers and that's kind of understandable I think you get that in a lot of fields of journalism Hmm. us of course such small fry we're not tainted by that so we can just tell it how it is do you know what I mean? Mm.
0: Well, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think that genuinely other people have enjoyed this game and we're just not two of those people. You're
1: a more generous man than I tear.
0: <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's just it's too much, too much consensus for it to be some sort of like in cahoots industry bubble. Mm. I just, yeah, it doesn't wash for me. It's not like I really enjoyed playing it, but I did keep playing. Like I wasn't like hating it when I was playing it. Like I just, it's just quite neutral. Like I was going through the motions with mm, it, plodding away. But I definitely often thought like, this isn't the best use of my time. Like it's not fun enough.
1: This is exciting because it makes me want to say, maybe there are a few listeners. <laughs> this is a, it's a slim chance, but maybe there are a few listeners who haven't been put off by this and are actually quite intrigued to see kind of where do they fall? I'm interested to know, genuinely, like where do you fall? If you do play this game after having listened to us talk about it, let us know what you think about it. I would genuinely love to know like, yeah. whether you're chiming with our views or whether you find them really contentious. And let us know in the comments or in emails or wherever, pixelvision.net, Twitter, pixelviz.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that would be really interesting.
1: All right, well, that's that's that game. Surely that's that game.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's I think that is a wrap for sure. Next up,
1: speaking of wraps, about Ravel's, should we unwrap and unravel our next
0: game too? We do know what we're playing next. I was I was thinking there like have we even decided, but yeah, of course we have decided, and it is Unravel Two, and it's a co-op only game. Ah, that's not true, but it's designed to be played cooperatively. Like it takes two. Yeah. The last time we did this.
1: Yeah, and we've already given it a little bit of a whirl. We have, yeah. And we just got to conclude our playthrough, so we'll keep that for next time. But tune in to see how that
0: unravels. <laughs> you just went for the same pun again.
1: <laughs> well, how many buns can you have about fucking ball of thread, mate? <laughs>
0: Uh all right well oh my god how am i going to post that i i told the executive producer i'd post the episode on the if fucking <laughs> you. oh my god <laughs> you're joking <laughs> no he was like yeah oh, cheers i'm really looking forward to listening to oh it my god. he's not going to he's not going to enjoy listening to <laughs> it oh my, my god it.
1: oh my god that gives even more uh credence to what i was saying before we, no one can accuse us of being in bed with developers right <laughs>
0: No.